The Forum at 8 with Kolani Gwala. It is 10 minutes now after 8. Welcome to the Forum at 8 here on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Well, we mentioned uh, when we were talking to Martin Kramer that next week is an important... Um, next week, Wednesday, is actually an important day because what happened was uh, Deputy President Kalema Mutlanta met business uh, and labor. They agreed to ratify a draft document that ensures sustainable mining in South Africa. The 10-page agreement uh, uh, stipulates that um, they, the part Partners recognize the importance of mining in this country for the economy, job creation, and social and economic development. Let's talk a little bit about those issues then. Uh, joining me from our Cape Town studios is the Deputy President of the Republic, uh, Deputy President Kalema Mutlante. Very good morning to you, Mr. Deputy President. I thank you for your time. Uh, good morning, Kolani, and good morning to your listeners. Thanks indeed for coming through. Well, uh, and I was just talking to Vabakshini just a short while ago, talking about the Middle East. And uh, before I saw you again here at Wits Business School, I saw you in the Middle East in Ramallah. Yes, I remember that uh, uh, when you were posted out there, uh, mm. I, I went to the West Bank and that's where we met you. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about what is happening in this country. Um, we were talking a little bit earlier on with Martin Kramer about the importance of the agreement, well, at least the, the draft agreement uh, that will be ratified by next week. What came out of that? Because apparently not all the parties are on board. Well, uh, Colony, you know, the, we, we had about two weeks uh, lead time to uh, engage with all the stakeholders, and, and <clears throat> the draft document was really uh, a summation of the issues that they themselves had raised as well as suggestions that they made. Uh, however, uh, as you know, you know, writing a document involves uh, stylistics and uh, issues as well as editing issues. So <clears throat> some of the parties at the end said, well, in principle, we are comfortable with this document. However, we need to go through it properly to uh, <coughs> to be able to, to, to commit to it. Uh, so we, <coughs> and, and we, we, we then said, well, we need very tight timelines to go over that. And they said uh, they, they would be ready by the 26th hmm. of this month. And that is why we... Uh, all agreed, all stakeholders agreed. And, and that includes AMCO as well? That includes AMCO. Okay, yes. so everybody is on board here. Everybody's on board. Let, but let me ask you this, because the, there was reaction from particularly uh, uh, investors, even outside the country. People wanted to know, what exactly will this pact do in order to restore stability in the mining sector? Well, for starters, it would, uh, you know, eliminate uh, <coughs> the, the frequent occurrences of... Uh, in acts of intimidation and uh, violence and, and uh, unprotected strikes. Uh, in other words, disruptions to the productive uh, <coughs> arrangements. So <coughs> that, that's, that's what it will do. But of course, we also emphasize that uh, the irritants, all the issues that trigger off such disruptions, have to be addressed uh, by, by all parties. So that's, that's what to do, uh, so that, you know, there should be certainty that there are issues for collective bargaining which are handled during that season or for collective bargaining. Outside of that season, uh, those issues should be off the table, as it were. So <clears throat> there's a clear understanding that, uh, you know, the, in the short term, there are those kinds of uh, uh, 
problems and, and irritants that would have to be addressed uh, with immediate effect. And then, of course, there are the other social determinants of the irritants, which may <coughs> require a bit of time. Uh, that relates, uh, among other issues, uh, the, the, to, to the migrant labor system, for instance, mm. the fact that, you know, these workers... Uh, <coughs> are recruited in the labor forwarding areas uh, separated from their families and therefore you know have the responsibility of sending remittances back home uh, and and those of them that are young and they stay in the mines for uh, sure. a year those of them that are young end up you know living in the informal settlements around the uh, mines and and where that leads to all manner of uh, social instability. Yeah. Let's talk about the short-term irritants then. Um, one of them, turf wars. What are the suggestions? Because we all know that there are issues of turf wars between AMCO and NUM. Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's a matter that, uh, you know, is actually regulated in law uh, because the <coughs> law stipulates at what threshold uh, is, is a union declared a majority union and what rights then are attached to such uh, status and, and you know the threshold for other unions to have organizational rights in other words the right to have a presence on the mine and to uh, hold your own meetings and all of that is, is all uh, attached to thresholds so it, any other union which meets those thresholds hmm. uh, is, is, is allowed to, to be in that space and there shouldn't be uh, you know any turf war which uh, goes beyond the bounds of competition but, but what has been the problem then Deputy President if, if it is out there clear law says this is who becomes majority after attaining this kind of membership what has been the problem why have people not complied with the law well, uh, as, as I understand it, uh, the, the AMCO has, is a new arrival in the platinum sector. Where all along there's been NUM and the workers themselves uh, left NUM, were disaffected and left NUM not to join AMCO, but they formed what they call workers' committees. And, and of course, AMCO then uh, became their home where Later, uh, and, and and that is why, uh, in the in the early days of these uh, uh, upheavals, there it, it couldn't have been correct to, uh, you know, <coughs> attach blame to uh, Amku because at that point they weren't really uh, the you know these workers had organized themselves into workers' committees outside of the NUM. But much later on, AMCO became a majority union at Lonmen and at Imbala. But they they allege that instead of being recognised outright, there's been go you know there's been issues going to the CCMA, going to the Labour Court, but still they are not being recognised. Well, uh, I'm aware that uh, you know they've been meeting on a regular basis because I've had to be in touch with uh, all all these stakeholders. I'm aware that they've been meeting and that. Uh, they found a meeting point, uh, which which is the reason why uh, the the uh, notice for 
going into a strike uh, has not been issued. And I mentioned a little earlier on about the reaction from elsewhere. I got a note from Nomura in, uh, from London, and they were saying to me, um, uh, but what will change? Because we've seen this kind of text before. We saw one immediately after Marikana. There was a, another one earlier on this year, around February. Uh, but again, the, the instability continued. What is different this time? Well, we have all uh, agreed that, you know, this is not an event. It's not a once-off thing. We're going to, uh, as I said, there are, you know, short-term, mid-term, and long-term issues to deal with. So we're going to stay, uh, you know, in our uh, posts to ensure that implementation uh, is, is followed to the letter. Another issue that uh, AMCO in particular has raised is, is whether or not the, the, the ministers involved, including uh, Minister Susan Shabangu, Minister Mildred Oliphant, are not partisan because they, they are alleging that these are ministers who are part of the ANC and therefore they see them as partisan against them. Well, that's the very first thing they raised with me when I met them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I said to them, look, uh, I will go back to my colleagues and... and you know, sensitize them to, to the fact that as, as ministers, uh, they, they are ministers for uh, all South African citizens. Uh, <clears throat> and, and so they shouldn't be partisan in, in when, when they are on the public plat- uh, platforms. Uh, and that's exactly what I did. And that is why, if you recall, Kolani, when the president was asked that very specific question, the president emphatically stated that, as government, we are neutral in these matters. And, I, and AMCU has accepted the bona fides. Uh, last week, Fridays, we were meeting in, in, in Pretoria. Uh, you know, they, they were seated next to, uh, Mr. Matunjo was seated next to Minister Shabangu and uh, the, the, bona fides were accepted here. Mm. All right. Uh, and I'm going to raise another issue. By the way, I'm going to open the lines here, uh, if I may, on 0891 for people to interact with the Deputy President about this particular issue. On 0891 Another issue that uh, uh, has come through is that in all this, we are not hearing enough about the role of the employers. It's as though the employers are far removed from this. Why is that, Deputy President? And what is their role in ensuring this, uh, this, uh, 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 that this unrest is put to an end? No, in fact, if you had had a sight of the uh, draft document, yeah. uh, you would have noticed that uh, all stakeholders you know, have to commit to their own... Uh, contributions, what they, the roles they have to play. One of the uh, <coughs> criticisms leveled against employers was that, uh, you know, they ended up negotiating with the workers' committees, uh, which is a structure that is not recognized in law, and therefore went against their own uh, regulations, as it were. So <coughs> the 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 uh, commitment from their side is indeed they will. Uh, have to conduct their uh, relationships and uh, business uh, within the stipulated uh, uh, regulations and and, and agreements. Mm. Because the source of this, from those who are analysing it, they say the employers under pressure, of course, uh, decided to work outside the the established uh, legal framework and by so doing ended up, uh, uh, you know, paying for anarchy. Yes, indeed, uh, 
You know, the, once you establish house rules, uh, you've got to live by those house rules. Uh, if you leave the house and, and operate outside of the house and uh, under new rules, uh, you, you actually invite anarchy. Uh, that is why, uh, you know, we believe now everybody is inside the house and, and that uh, the house rules will up, uh, apply to every uh, stakeholder. And, and there's also an issue about government itself, that government has not been decisive in this matter. Um, people have been saying that there needs to be leadership and decisive leadership in as far as government is concerned. Firstly, what do you make of that criticism? Well, it depends on uh, what, what precisely people are, you know, referring to when they say there's need for leadership. There's broader leadership uh, that government has to play. And then in the specific, uh, you know, mining sector, there's also leadership that government has to provide uh, with regards to the both the peculiar and, and the general uh, issues uh, hmm. affecting the, the, the industry. But inter- interestingly, though, Deputy President, it appears as if the draft framework actually recognizes that criticism, because if you look at what uh, government has committed itself to doing, 4.3.1, it says government commits to act decisively in order to enforce the rule of law, maintain peace during strikes and other protests re- relating to labor disputes, also ensure protection of life. Now, I'm wondering whether that actually is an acknowledgement that government has not done what it was supposed to do in this regard. Yes, there's, there's uh, you know, the issue of ensuring that, uh, you know, life and property is protected is, of course, the responsibility of the state. And, and so the criminal justice system is, is actually uh, meant to uh, attend to that issue. Uh, and that is why, you know, all stakeholders have to commit uh, because... The, the unions and management have to commit that uh, they will not allow, you know, weapons to be branded around, uh, brandished uh, within the uh, precinct of the mine and outside of the uh, the work milieu. The <coughs> uh, government has the responsibility to ensure that, uh, you know, people are not uh, exposed to uh, acts of... of uh, you know, violence and, and, and all of that. Uh, but has there been any movement in that regard then? Because, uh, yeah, again, yes, there are indeed. still gatherings. There are still gatherings and there are strikes. Um, there, well, I mean, at least I know that AMCU is sitting with maybe two uh, strike certificates at the moment. How have you made sure that in the event that those strikes go through, that weapons are not brought? Well, AMCU is part of these uh, deliberations, as I said. And, and even with regards to uh, the, the strike notices, uh, certainly I know that uh, in their dispute with Lonmin, they had discussions uh, over you know, a series of meetings. And, and <coughs> at the last check, where the, the hours are short, that uh, they uh, you know, have found a meeting point and therefore there would not be any, any strike action triggered off by the issues that were, were demands from AMCU's side. All right. So, in other words, they assured you that there will not be any strike soon? Yes. All right. As interesting. Let me take some calls here, if I may, Deputy President. Let me start with Christopher. Christopher is uh, with the N- an NGO in the mining sector. Christopher, good morning. 
Good morning. Thank Hi. you very much for taking my call. Good morning, Deputy President. Good morning, Christopher. Hi. Deputy President, I would just like to ask, I'm looking at the draft framework agreement and there are no less than 12 clauses in that agreement which deals with issues affecting the communities around the mines. Um, and so it becomes very clear to me that a solution in the mining sector cannot really be achieved, a real, I mean a real solution cannot be achieved if the communities are not involved because quite often in the agreement the state or the government, labor and business attempts to act on behalf of communities. Yet communities have been asking for a very long time that they would like to be part of the process of finding solutions in the industry. Um, there are There is a an organization called Mining Affected Communities United in Action, which was established last year, December, when delegates from across the country, um, over 150 delegates, elected a committee to start a uh, sort of approaching government on this matter. Yeah. So my question is really, why are communities not allowed a voice when we're talking about solutions for the mining industry? Okay. Communities quite often are the ones that suffer the most. Thank you very much. Deputy President? Well, uh, you know, the draft framework uh, envisages uh, participation and involvement of the community surrounding the, the mining industry uh, <clears throat> because issues of, you know, the uh, amenities and, and infrastructure uh, in, in those communities uh, <clears throat> are what government and, and the municipalities uh, are, are supposed to uh, address and, and as I mentioned earlier on, that uh, even the migrant labor system, because those communities uh, in, in, in some of the areas consist of people who are migrants uh, and, and who end up, you know, living in, in informal uh, settlements around the, the mining compounds. And, and that is why, uh, as I said, <coughs> The, the, in the category of mid-term to long-term issues, uh, this, this involvement of communities uh, is envisaged. Sure, but uh, why were they not part of the Friday meeting? Well, for starters, you, you have to start with, uh, you know, begin the processes of interaction with the stakeholders in the industry itself. Uh, the, the, the community would be involved... <clears throat> Once we get to a point where we, we now establish uh, structures uh, very similar to, uh, you know, the National Peace Accord structures, which involved communities where they, 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 there was, you know, an outbreak of violence and yeah. so on. And however, here what we're talking about is that uh, the, those communities, some, some of them, because if we're addressing the migrant labor system, it means that the mines may also have to draw, uh, begin to recruit uh, locals uh, as opposed to uh, only recruiting, you know, uh, migrants from, from the labor forwarding areas. So that the, the, the approach is to ensure that we address <coughs> the uh, communities uh, that, you know, are the labor <coughs> uh, forwarding uh, communities, as well as those 
in the immediate surrounds of uh, the the mining operations themselves yeah okay right we'll continue with the deputy president he's joining us from our cape town studios uh, we'll take your thoughts uh, or at 34701 34701 but also uh, emails at change talk about and there's a whole lot of sms's talking about the political school here deputy president i'm going to ask you about that in a short while but it's 8 30 now let's uh, go once again to vavakshini chedi for the very latest headline news the forum at eight with kolani guala Thank you, Rob. It is 26 now before 9. I'm talking this morning to the Deputy President, Mr. Kalema Motlante, and uh, he's in Cape Town this morning. Uh, a lot of SMS is coming through here for the Deputy President, and I'm going to read some of them in a minute. Uh, but again, most of them here, Deputy President, thanks, by the way, for staying with me. Um, most of them are talking about the political school and, and so on. Clearly, as, as people are talking about my, my professional future, yeah. uh, people want to know about yours as well in as far as the political school is concerned. Yes. No, we <coughs> we are busy, Colani. Uh, you know, I work with the uh, NEC subcommittee on political education, uh, and we're busy preparing the modules uh, because we need to ensure that they are standardised, uh, <coughs> and and we would like to, uh, you know, test them uh, so that uh, they can also be accredited by institutions of learning. Here. But what will it mean when, when you finally take over this task of political educating uh, members of the ANC? Will it mean that you will do it together with being the deputy president? Well, <coughs> well you know, my, my uh, term as, as deputy president comes to an end uh, once this administration uh, term uh, ends. And, and so I would then be in a position to devote... Uh, <clears throat> the better time of my time were towards this effort of the political school year. That means then that uh, you will not be, even if you were to be offered the position of deputy president, you won't take it? Well, you know, one can do so much where, with uh, one's time, but uh, I think I would like to devote more time to the political education work here. And, 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 and not government? Uh, I think, you know, uh, depending on, 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 on what happens, uh, as I said, I think my time can be put to better use uh, in, in, in running the political education school. Uh, you know, <coughs> I, I think I've made my contribution. Do you even like <laughs> being in government, Mr. Mr. Deputy President? Well, you know, uh, if if one can't take a back seat and say, you know, well, this is what we want, this is what we want, and so on, and when uh, an opportunity is presented for one to uh, <coughs> make a contribution, then uh, you you pull back. I I've never believed uh, in being an armchair philosopher as it is. I've always believed that. Uh, you know, like in the days of of, of, of struggle, this is still uh, we're still faced with the struggle of uh, you know changing the conditions of uh, our people for the better, and and so in this current struggle uh, for social justice and economic justice, we also have to each one of us have to ask ourselves, uh, you know, the question of what contribution. We, we we are making uh, wherever we are uh, because we can't you know in the political uh, administration front 
Uh, they, there are only so much that can be done by uh, those who are in, in, in the public space. Uh, but <clears throat> a lot more can be done uh, even outside of government. Yeah. In fact, after the Manga Wong conference, there, was, there were rumors just all over the place that you may not even finish the term. Uh, are, you, are, you, are you going to finish the term? Of course, of course, yes. Mm. Of course, yes. But th- did it ever cross your mind? That, no, that not, at all, not, at all, not at all. Uh, uh, let me ask you about the government and the term itself. Uh, uh, one of the things, and you mentioned it at that Vitz Business School presentation, is that this government had, had, had prioritized issues of uh, unemployment, poverty, and inequality as the triple challenge that needs to be uh, attended to urgently. If you were to make an assessment, uh, and, and uh, I know what people have said, I know what listeners have said in, in making their own assessment of how government has fared in, re- in relation to these priorities, but what is your assessment? Well, you know, <coughs> uh, one of your, your colleagues in the, in the media, uh, John Steinbeck, mm-hmm. wrote an, an, an article about three, four weeks ago, uh, in which he was, you know, indicating that this administration has uh, uh, done very well in three areas. Uh, and, and he says, for instance, if you take the issue of HIV and AIDS, uh, this administration has handled that matter in a, in a manner which makes it, uh, you know, the, the best in the world, and that's this start has been recognized even by the UN Secretary General, um, Mr. Ban Ki moon, that uh, what you know uh, was the epicenter of the uh, scourge of, of HIV has mm. uh, is, 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 is been turned around into the world's best program. Mm. Uh, and, and that UNAIDS, where, you know, takes inspiration from the manner in which uh, South Africa approaches this. And, of course, this has uh, taught us many, many lessons uh, in that uh, at a local level, the approach is, is an all-inclusive approach. Uh, so you, you, you have various stakeholders in communities participating in the programs. In KZN, for instance, they have what they call the war rooms. And and we have taken all the premiers of uh, other provinces Mm. to go and look at those those, uh, programs because uh, it involves, you know, the local councillor, the uh, religious leaders, uh, educators, learners, Caregivers, community development workers, all the uh, and business uh, people, even in a, in a village, uh, if there's a shopkeeper, he is involved in the war room, and so they are able to do uh, profile households uh, of of you know members of the community who are on treatment, and to ensure that they are on treatment and that they take their treatment, uh, you know. <coughs> together with uh, full meals. And so where there are referrals, for instance, to, to, to various government departments, that is all processed within the, the, the war room. Yeah. And, and, and 
you know, we've drawn uh, very important lessons out of this approach. Certainly, and I know that you'll be going to the conference in Durban immediately after this uh, this interview. And well done to yourselves, because you're leading SANAC as well, and have done uh, a remarkable work in as far as this is concerned. But still, Deputy President, mm-hmm. serious concerns about issues of unemployment, issues of poverty, inequality, where as far as the Gini coefficient is concerned, we are, we are among the, the countries that is the highest levels of uh, the inequality. Unemployment, especially young people, we've been talking about it, it is, it is just endemic, it is chronic. How, how yes. did you change the situation? Well, you know, there are, uh, every problem also is an opportunity. Uh, and, and to the extent that we have, you know, bedrock in infrastructure, that problem is an opportunity for us to employ these young uh, unemployed people. Uh, and that is why the PICC, uh, Presidential Infrastructure Coordinating uh, 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 Commission, uh, focuses uh, its efforts on, on infrastructure development and the kind of infrastructure which is catalytic, that, you know, uh, has the potential of unleashing uh, jobs as well as uh, giving Philip to the economy itself. Uh, the second area is, you know, we have a long coastline, and so there's an opportunity there for us to uh, create m- new jobs yeah. in, in the marine industry. Uh, and, 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 of course, you know, <coughs> when, when people ask for inspired leadership, uh, they don't want to hear, you know, intentions and ideas uh, and so on. They, they want to see these things happen. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so we've been also, you know, in government thinking that uh, we, we got to, you know, indicate in practical terms that, uh, yeah, for instance, if you take uh, the, the catalytic infrastructure that I've alluded to, yeah. uh, we need to... Uh, build or construct uh, additional rail lines to link the uh, manganese and iron ore areas of the Northern Cape uh, to Saldana Bay as well as to Kuha. Uh, and, and the waterback area, you know, where the Palale is and Medupi and so on, mm-hmm. we need additional rail lines to link that to Maputo uh, as well as to Richards Bay. Uh, and, and the construction of such railway lines would uh, create more job opportunities as well as connect those areas to uh, the, the, the seaports. Sure. Uh, one of the biggest, uh, I suppose, criticisms has really been around education, and, and it's seen as a failure, Deputy President. It's seen, it's seen as not uh, living up to the promise that was made in the manifesto in 1999, in 2009. Yes. Uh, well, education, I mean, uh, you know, <coughs> the, where we have a, a, a difficult, where we've succeeded is to expand access, Colin. Mm-hmm. So at greater uh, level, uh, enrollment is at 96%. It's almost 100%. The, the problem is, is that 
uh, of those, only 22% go through to tertiary, uh, go, you know, past grade 12. Mm. Uh, and so the, clearly that is a clear message that uh, our basic education uh, is not working as uh, it ought to. And, and, and so, but sorry to interrupt you because it's obvious why some may argue. Um, I mean, there's a there's a problem now with equal education because they're wanting to know the norms and standards. Standards and they're saying, government, do your bit, make it clear. What are the norms? What are the standards? And let the kids go to school. Let families then do the rest. And government has not come to the party in as far as that is concerned. Yeah, no, that's a fair criticism, I think, uh, le- leveled against government in in that regard. But the point I was making is that we've got to try and ensure that, you know, we uh, improve on basic education. And and <clears throat> I still believe that uh, we need to invest more resources in the teacher training uh, colleges and, and aim to ensure. For instance, you know, when, when uh, <clears throat> you look at the... the Effects of country education is that we, we don't have maths teachers. We don't have sufficient maths teachers. I go around and I find come across schools where there are no maths teachers for 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 one. And so <clears throat> we need to uh, aim at investing today in teacher training colleges, which would produce teach sufficient teachers who can teach. Uh, uh, even the natural sciences mm. uh, and, and do that deliberately as an investment it, the results will not be realized uh, you know like next year it, and give ourselves a 20 year timeline to do that even as at the same time we are upgrading a current crop of teachers uh, and, and, and so on but in the long term aim at ensuring that the system of teacher training would reproduce itself. Uh, and and, and I, I, I think realistically, if we give ourselves a timeline of 20 years, yeah. uh, we can get there. Because you see, the gap uh, is becoming wider and wider and wider. If you, you know, take the impact of uh, modern technology, mm. where other countries are... Uh, ahead of us, where even on the continent of Africa in terms of broadband issues and so on. And so we, we got to, uh, we got a big gap to close. Sure. But they, you can't cut corners. There's no quick fix to this problem as I see it. But what about the role of the unions? Because a lot of our callers, a lot of South Africans are complaining. In fact, saying that the unions in this space have played a destructive role. Well, <clears throat> the, the, the activist unions, you know, there, there are u- several unions in the profession that I know of. There are those that uh, regard, you know, uh, teaching as, uh, as a call. Uh, and, and there are those that uh, regard it as, as, an, as a job, as an employment uh, and, and that, you know, given an opportunity to find uh, an alternative employment, they would move out of teaching. So <clears throat> that, that is why I'm saying we've got to invest in teacher training and, and 
create conditions that are favorable, that, uh, you know, appreciates the fact that the, these are, this is the mother of all professions. Teaching is the mother of all professions because <coughs> they, if, if given the correct uh, foundation, uh, learners' potential uh, can be realized later in life. But uh, if we don't invest in that and if we don't reward those teachers and create conditions, favorable conditions for them to be retained in the profession, uh, of course, you know, we will f- stumble along and, and then the class issues will come into, into play. Those uh, who can afford to send their children to uh, the well-established feeder high schools, to uh, universities, uh, will send their uh, hmm. children to, to, to such colleges. And, and of course... Uh, the fees, entry fees would be uh, so high that it would exclude the majority of people. So we as government have got to approach this matter okay. uh, from, from the angle which uh, makes access, this access to progress. Uh, of course, that also means that, you know, by fixing basic education, we would be <coughs> able to have teachers in, in, at, at that level who can identify the latent talents of learners hmm. at a very early stage. Because there's the, the notion that uh, we, we are a nation of academics is also a myth. I mean, uh, there, there are people who uh, <coughs> would end up being academics uh, or going to, to university. There are those who must go through a different stream yeah. of learning, uh, you know, become artisans and so on. So, and the ability to identify that and therefore channel learners at an early stage uh, in the correct uh, uh, streams uh, requires also that we must invest in teacher training. Sure. Deputy President, I need to take a break, but there's an SMS here that I would like you to think about. Um, uh, I'm going to ask you to respond to, to it, if you may. It says, please, Sir Motlante, in your modules, political school, add topics about corruption, morals, crime and power. Uh, we'll take a response from you in a minute. Uh, let's take a break. Hectic work schedule, crowded spaces, always on the move. Support your health and get immunity with immune. Great tasting immune is perfect to give your immune system the nutritional support it needs. Packed with 17 vitamins, minerals and herbs in an effervescent formulation. Immune helps your immune system cope with the challenges your busy life brings. Also available in Amyun Junior for the little ones. Amyun by Sipla will make it better. The Forum at 8 with Polani Guala. Deputy President, your response to, to the issues about corruption. I suppose it raises this, uh, obviously, the elephant in the room, so to speak, in this country. Issues of corruption, crime, uh, and, and morals. Yes, uh, well, you know, Polani, the, the Independent Commission Against Crime uh, of, of New South Wales in, in Australia mm-hmm. uh, defines corrupt conduct as follows and, and, and I quote mm-hmm. uh, they say as public officials we have specific powers functions and knowledge because of the positions we hold corrupt conduct 
occurs when a public official uses or attempts to use that position for personal advantage. Corrupt conduct can also occur when a member of the public influences or attempts to influence a public official to use his or her position for purpose other than the benefit of the public. Now, <clears throat> that's how they define corruption. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this should be uh, written in uh, all colors. I mean, in this day of digital gadgets, uh, when you open your cell phone, this should come across your, 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 your screen mm. so that <clears throat> we, we inculcate uh, the, this value and understanding. It's a simple, uh, I think, definition of uh, corrupt conduct. And, and, <clears throat> and, and, and ensure that uh, we inculcate, you know, awareness uh, of this uh, across the general public because, you know, it, as they say, it takes two to tango. Hmm. Uh, it's the people inside and outside who are uh, wanting to uh, benefit, uh, sure. you know, through... That's true, Deputy President, but people argue that um, government then should have checks and balances in place to ensure that people inside, people who abuse public taxes, money that the public pays hard for, that government must be able to pick that up and deal with it decisively. Yes, true, true. I agree. Uh, you know, the, the, the Chinese experience is that they, they in China, for every mega project uh, that they approve, they also establish an anti-corruption, uh, you know, unit to monitor it. So, so they don't wait until, you know, uh, a, a, a contract is given out to a constructing company to build 3,000 houses, and they build four but they get paid in full. They don't allow that kind of thing to happen. And so I think we, uh, it is possible uh, for us as well in South Africa to do the same. Uh, and, and <clears throat> you know, at local government level, if we separate, I mean, right through the three spheres of government, if we separate administration from the political work, uh, in other words, those of us who are uh, public representatives should not be involved in administration. We should uh, deal with budget allocations, oversight over the administration. Administration by administration, I mean implementing uh, structures. Hmm. Uh, you know, from from senior managers, from the level of DG as accounting officers. Those are the people who must uh, have the right to implement. And, and we as the public representatives should uh, supervise and, and deal with, uh, you know, spatial planning issues uh, and, and budget allocations so that we monitor. And then we must keep the general public... Uh, informed. So there must be transparency because accountability and transparency are two sides of the same coin. Mm. Mm.
Right, Deputy President, I really have got to thank you for your time this morning. Uh, you've been a great guest. You've been my last guest on this program. I really thank you. Well, thank you very much, Colin. And let me add my voice to all those who wish you well in your future endeavors. Uh, and we hope that you will not be lost to Certainly. the South African public. And uh, keep up the good work. Thank you very much. All of the best. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I certainly won't be lost to the broadcasting space because I'm just moving across to Prime Media Broadcasting. I'm going to be doing an afternoon show on 702 uh, starting on the 1st of July. So that's where I'm going to be. I would really, really, really like to thank the team, uh, the fantastic people of uh, AM Live, particularly, and I'm going to single out a couple of people here. I hope nobody's going to look at me and say, Misha Shandala has been with me right throughout the pro. When, whenever, when AM Live started, she was here with me until today. She's still here with me. Thank you very much, Misha. Jake, uh, Jake and I have had our own little fights, but Jake has been a fantastic guy as well, producing uh, the forum at 8. Thank you very much. Thanks to everybody as well. Uh, thank you, Mabaso, Misha Shandale, Tracy Bumgart, Nswake Ku, Senior Producer, Lungila Mabaso, Technical Producer, Lebo Munana, uh, Forum Producers, Ronald Piri and Jake Mokoma, uh, Chief Producer, Bootsilukoto, Executive Producers, Busi Chane and Oprah Sitchia. My name is Polani Gwala. It's been fun. It's been fantastic. I've learned so much. Uh, we'll continue learning. Cheers. Hey, uh, yeah. <laughs> when were you crying? When when Vakshin was reading Mercedes' message, were you crying? I think I heard you crying. Uh, Doesn't matter, man. You were crying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, don't worry, man. Don't worry. We meet to part, and as sure as it is, we'll part to meet again. Uh,